Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to dive into the topic of identity. You become a parent, and sometimes you forget of who you were before your new baby arrived, and it doesn't help that all of a sudden your name has been replaced by mommy by people other than your your child or children. So we have Dr. Britta Bushnell, who is an award-winning childbirth educator, celebrated speaker, and specialist in guiding audiences to revolutionary new approaches to childbirth relationship and parenting. And she's going to dive into this topic with us. It's a big, rich topic. And I think no matter how well adjusted and how much you want this parenthood role, it can feel a little daunting at times. So Britta does a great job in having this conversation to still help you find Find yourself, take care of yourself and be yourself. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Britta. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm doing uh, wonderful today and I'm excited to be here. Thank you for reaching out. Absolutely. So when I was interested in working with you and speaking with you and then also wanting to do the whole discussion about identity, identity shift, I feel like it's something I'm hearing my postnatal people talk about so much. I was thrilled to see that that's something that you work with a lot. So that was exciting. So as we jump into this, let's just have you, if you don't mind telling everyone a little bit about your yourself and how you got to the work that you do now. Okay. There's, it, there's a long version and a short version. <laughs> we'll so I'll take try that and medium. do the short version <laughs> yeah, or something in between. I originally started in working with the pregnant population as a prenatal yoga and te- yoga teacher. So similar to some of, of what you do. Mm-hmm. And that was almost 20 years ago. I was a, a yoga teacher and then a prenatal yoga teacher and when i was working with the pregnant population they they really i got the feeling that everybody needed something more certainly than asana i know that you talk about that more than the postures alone that yeah. there was something much deeper being being asked for and when i went looking for that i went actually outside of yoga a bit and went and took a training with pam england of of birthing from within and started teaching birthing from within classes and then became a partner at birthing from within with Pam and Virginia Bobro and worked with the two of them very closely as well as did trainings for other uh, birthing from within teachers known as mentors. And then that work blossomed into me wanting to go deeply into mythology and so I went back to graduate school after finishing my, my partnership and, and teaching at Birthing From Within and got my PhD in mythology with an emphasis in psychology. So really kind of a, a degree that looks at stories and how they impact us. And my focus was really on rites of passage and storytelling. And when it came time to write my dissertation, that merging of those things and childbirth was was very much a very clear, uh, yes, this is what you must write your dissertation on. I mean, it was just a message was strong that that's what it needed to be. 
So I've been teaching childbirth classes for 16 years, prenatal yoga prior to that, and have integrated rite of passage mythology, some of that that I gained from my time with Birthing From Within and with Pam, and some of it launching beyond that from my work with my, my, my doctoral studies. Oh, it's so, so juicy. Yes. Oh my gosh. It gets me so excited. <laughs> I'm getting so excited as I hear that because what rite of passage is there any bigger rite of passage going from that made into motherhood and then the storytelling and what we hear from our families and our communities, you know, the impact it has on us with our our ability to birth and our, you know, our motherhood. So it's so exciting. I can't wait to hear more about what you have to say. Yeah. Well, great. I'm here. Let's talk. Okay. So let, I know you work with a lot of people shifting that, you know, I keep going back to that phrase made into motherhood. And let me just say one thing. When I started as a doula, and you might've heard this since my other podcast, I worked with a woman, this made my fifth birth in, and in the middle of the birth, she was just having this massive anxiety issue. And it was a really challenging, challenging birth. A year after the birth, she calls me to come over to her house, which made me a little nervous. I'm like, oh no, why? <laughs> what did I do? And she said she spent that whole year in therapy and trying to heal from her birth experience because during the birth, she really had a panic moment of really crossing what she said, and these were her words, crossing the threshold to motherhood. And that's when it impacted me because I hadn't had kids yet. And I was so new to the doula world that there's such a massive shift that we often don't see. Um, so that's why I am so passionate about this. So I know you work with people on this shift. What are some of the common themes that you hear? Yes. Well, and, and to that end, I do, I work with people both on the, the side of the threshold that is pregnancy, mm -hmm. and then crossing over the threshold through some doula work, although that's not my primary work at this point, and then in uh, groups postpartum. So, so that whole kind of that whole rite of passage, that whole stepping over that threshold, which is something that, that I think is absolutely, yes. And, and that metaphor is an important one because it really is, you know, thresholds in our homes are in part that place that is slightly elevated or slightly depressed that is meant to mark that shift from this place in the, the outside place, the outside world to the inside hearth and home. And it has a transition in it so that we take notice, mm -hmm. that we pay attention. Oh, we are shifting from this place to that place. So the threshold idea is, is very in line with what I do. And I think that what your client, the story that you shared, share, what, what she shared with you is very similar to the things that I hear. Um, I've, I've worked with clients who speak about how they really were fearful of that moment of becoming a parent, that in labor, the fear of actually letting go and birthing their child because on the other side was parenthood would actually keep labor stalled. And that's exactly what happened. It was just this 
epic labor that went on and on and, and really didn't, uh, I mean, the baby was fine. Mom, you know, physically was fine, but emotionally it really took a toll on her. And, and part of me is thankful. I saw that early in my doula career and my teaching career, so mm-hmm. I can address it, but it was such a weight that she carried with her during the labor and a year following. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of different reasons that some of that comes up for, for some parents, it's about not wanting to become their parent Mm. that they have, you know, concerns and fears about not replicating the, the, the parenting that they received and that, Stepping over that threshold into parenthood can be a scary place of, oh, I'm going to be the parent now. And my parent maybe didn't do it the way that I would have liked them to. How do I know I'm not going to do that as well? And so that can be some of it, as well as, as just that, that feeling of losing oneself a bit into this new identity and yeah that that maiden to motherhood or or individual to parent you know so it doesn't this this isn't always just about the birthing individual but can also be about partners and um the the changes that happen even as as simple as what we define as family changes and that can be surprising for people when we before we have a child of our own when we say oh my family we're refu- we are usually referring to the family of origin the family mm-hmm. that raised us and when we have a child suddenly that definition of family completely reorients and that can be striking because there's this whoa i'm going from being a daughter as, as a primary identity to being the mother, or I'm going from being a partner to being, you know, we're becoming family, a family. We're adding somebody to our relationship. If there's, there's a couple, um, there tends to be this connection of we're a couple, we're a couple, we're a couple. And when we have, when we bring a child in, it's like the, the couple has to shift and open to invite that new person in and create this this family container. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different transitions that occur. So many identity shifts that happen and all of those can can cause a certain amount of anxiety as well as excitement. And sometimes uh excitement has elements of anxiety in it and anxiety can have elements of excitement. So it they they can kind of line up near one another. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. When you were mentioning about the different place going from daughter to mother, I remember one time someone asked me, I was freshly new into my motherhood, and someone asked me what I what we should do. And I thought, I, I don't know. Like it feels like there should be all of a sudden you're the mother figure and there's an expectation to have a, a sense of knowledge about what to yeah. do. And that I found overwhelming because I, I didn't know. I was so new to this that, but they expected me to have the answer. So I found mm-hmm. that a little, I'm sure that's something you, I'm guessing you probably that's, hear that. That's a huge piece. I mean, and it's a huge piece that we don't talk about enough. It's a piece that says that, that there's some kind of idea that a magic wand is uh, waved over our head at the moment of birth that transforms us. 
that suddenly when we have a baby in our arms or whether it's through adoption or surrogacy or birth doesn't doesn't really matter specifically but once we have that child that is our child in our arms there is this expectation that we usually put on ourselves that suddenly we must have it all together that we must be this fully transformed parent that this ta-da identity mom and it's like well that's not actually how it occurs. I mean, yes, we do become a parent in that moment, but it's a process that takes time. Yeah, because it's a and, lot of talk about like innate wisdom and, and instincts, but that doesn't always mean that we know what we're doing right off the bat. Oh, no, absolutely not. I like to say that when we are born, when our child is born, we are born as well. And I know that I'm not the first one to say that. But I like to speak that you you are only as old as your child is. So when you've given birth and you're an hour, your child is an hour old, you are an hour old parent. Mm-hmm. And we we don't, you know, look at our child at uh, 10 months, 12 months, 14 months when they're just learning to walk and say, God, you know. Look how much easier it is to walk. Why didn't you do that when you first <laughs> popped out of the womb? You know? Yeah. We, we we don't do that with our children because we know that they have to go through the developmental stages. We know that they need to change and grow and develop through the process that is organic and mm-hmm. uniquely theirs. But we expect ourselves not only to crawl, but to run as soon as our baby is born. So we're kind and of setting ourselves up for failure a little bit by putting these expectations on ourselves. Yeah, there's we, not giving ourselves enough space to develop, mm-hmm. to to go through the process that that metamorphic process of of change, of growth, and some of that involves the dissolving of some of who we formerly were and birthing something new within us. And those can sometimes be pretty darn messy. Yeah. And that's something that we in our, our, our information and technology age where you can find you know, concrete answers to almost any question, we've become less comfortable with that messy uncertainty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, parenthood is certainly that. So can you talk a little bit about your own? (laughs) There's nothing neat and clean about parenthood. Um, A little bit about your own shift. I mean, it doesn't have to have had any massive trauma, but just how did you experience that shift into motherhood? Well, first of all, let me say that my children are now 18 and 15. So it's it's, a while ago. Yeah, it's it's been a little while and and I'm now currently in the the shift 
into letting letting my my hands open and my child fly the nest mm-hmm. because he is he's heading to college in the fall. How exciting! Um, my firstborn. So, but back to that that place. <laughs> oh, so many years ago when when he was first born, there was there was definitely a dramatic shift in in my understanding of who I was you know, from being able, I mean, for me, one of the big pieces was that autonomy over my time, being able to decide, well, right now I feel like doing X and I'm going to do that. And later I'm going to do Y and being able to just move through my day based on my own ideas and desires, even, even in regards to work, um, and, and what I was doing professionally. And then this child comes into my world and that energy of, oh no, you, you actually aren't in charge of your time anymore. (laughs) You now have this other being who, who has whims and ideas all his own, and you can organize your life or try to organize your life as best you can and there is there is there are always going to be large elements of unpredictability throughout and that was that took time and adjustment now i'm the second oldest of eight siblings wow. so i had a lot of experience with babies and so that piece sort of helped the the part of me that was like i don't know how to do the baby thing i had already kind of I had more skill than a lot of parents have in that. But it's still the identity part, the part of I am a different being was still something that that I had to work through and allow myself to cry and laugh and f- move my way through. And it it took it took some time. My yeah. my let me just, yeah. sorry, just a quick yeah. other thing. My, my real uh, threshold moment was actually when my second born was a few months old and my, my older was about, was not yet three. And my older son was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And suddenly any organization that I sort of thought I had or any fluidity in my life completely throughout the door, you know, um, I was, I was the, the mom who, you know, on occasion gave Tylenol, but it was really, really rare. And now I was completely dependent upon, uh, you know, Western medicine and just the initiation of you do not know what's coming next really showed up for me. And that can be hard, especially if someone's very organized. Yeah. Well, and I, I was organized, but I also, I think that one of the things that we need to learn in parenthood is flexibility and resilience. Mm -hmm. We need to just be in that place of, uh, rather than organizing and detailing every single thing that's going to happen, having instead the grittiness to adapt when things don't go as we want. I mean, that is that early stage so much, you know, just as you said, the autonomy of time with a baby, you know, you can try to 
have a sleep schedule or whatever, but it, it's really about fluidity, flexibility, and surrender. Because I think it yeah. creates a lot of frustration if you're like, the baby yeah. didn't do this and I needed it to do this. But I think a lot of people are going to hear that the idea of the autonomy. That's what seems to come up a lot in our new mom support groups in our postnatal. And sometimes I get the sense that the women feel a little bit lost in that fourth trimester, that they, they've just lost a sense of their past identity. So do you have any words of wisdom when someone feels like they knew who they were and their joys and life before a baby? And then especially those first you know, 12 weeks, there's such often a lot of fatigue and feeling overwhelmed. What are some ways someone can kind of come back to themselves a little bit during that mm-hmm. time? Yeah, that's that's such a powerful time. And like you in your postnatal groups, that's definitely something that I hear in the ones that I that I facilitate as well. And I I like to use the metaphor of the caterpillar to the butterfly. And I use this one a lot. And you may have heard me speak about it before, but I think it's a it's an important one to address because I do think that we like to skip the cocoon phase. We like to think that, you know, during pregnancy, we're that caterpillar and maybe we're the very hungry caterpillar <laughs> eating everything in sight. And regardless, we're getting, we can actually feel ourselves getting bigger and bigger and bigger as our baby grows and grows and grows. So we, we, we plump one way or another. And then we give birth and we think we're going to come out the butterfly. When in, when in reality, it doesn't happen like that. We have to go into the cocoon of change, that that metamorphosis that occurs within the cocoon. And that cocoon phase can feel difficult. And what you're speaking about, about your, your, the parents that you work with getting in there and being like, but, uh, ah, it's like, yeah, that is part of what's happening. And we, we almost need to give more space to be in the chrysalis, be in the cocoon, and, and understand that within that space, there is dissolving, that part of us is letting go, and that we can fight it, we can be upset about it, we can feel lost in it, and to give space to understand that even that is part of the process. So one of the main things I think is important is to create more understanding and acceptance of the fact that we are changing. Not so much, how do I hold on to who I was, but how do I make space for letting some of that go so the person I'm becoming can step forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've literally heard people say they feel like they're mourning the loss of themselves. Like something has died. That's actually, yeah. those were, and when I heard that, I'm like, those are strong words. They're strong words, but that's exactly what we need to be turning into, turning toward that rather than away from it. Yeah. Too often we are just uh, culturally, we like to be like, it's all good, yippee, yippee, happy, happy, joy, joy, rather than allowing ourselves to be happy, joyful, and in a process of mourning at the same time. 
rather than uh, compartmentalizing our experience into we are either happy because we have a new beautiful baby or we are mourning deeply, we can actually make ourselves big enough to hold both of those experiences at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's in many ways, it's the yoga of new parenthood. It's how do you both stretch and get stronger? How do you stay with that moment that is happening right here, right now, even when it doesn't feel very good? Yeah, you're you absolutely right. That is, that. that is what I say in yoga class. You're absolutely right. That is that is parenthood right there. One of the big shifts I hear is when someone was in the workforce and then for whatever reason has chosen to stay at home. There, I feel like there's several blows of identity. Now they've gone from person prior to motherhood as well as identity through one's career so both, there's a lot of shifts. How, what would you say to that person? Yes, those, those transitions can be very monumental, especially because even, and let me just uh, step back a second, because even somebody who has been in the workforce and takes a break, not even if they leave the workforce, but if they take a break from the workforce for birth and the postpartum period, the identity transformation can be even more striking because as working women, we're used to being pretty awesome, right? (laughs) And pretty functioning and making things happen and getting things done and checking things off our list and having uh, engagement with, with other people and all of those things that help create part of our worker identity. And those suddenly are not there. Suddenly we're barely able to get a shower, let alone get, you know, 20 things off our to-do list in a given day. And so that, that can be particularly challenging. And it, part of that is the piece that is we, we have such a high value on control in this culture we want to control things and create a feeling of certainty. And careers, most careers or many careers, give us some of that opportunity. Parenthood throws that stuff out the window. And suddenly there's no certainty. There's a huge amount of, of lack of control. And so to work with, I mean, that, that there's a place that I'll bring in storytelling, some mythology, that um, area where we can start to imagine and soften thoughts about, about control. You know, one of my favorite metaphors that I learned uh, from Pam England what is the, the labyrinth and the experience of rather than feeling like you're walking a path that is direct, like you go, you wake up in the morning and you have a clear idea of where you're going till you get to the point where you go to bed. Parenthood doesn't have that kind of, of linear, straight linear path. And so the, the metaphor of the labyrinth, both on a big scale of the entire journey, as well as even the small scale of 
arriving to any central point can be a really helpful place for for that person who is having a massive transition in their life is understanding that you've shifted from that very linear um, I use the term Apollonian, so like the god Apollo who likes things orderly and with precision to a shifting from that Apollonian place to the more Artemisian place, that more place of uh, the goddess Artemis, which is in the wild. It's all that lives outside of social and and cultural bounds. So it's outside of the city. It's outside of what is considered civilized. She is the goddess of the wild. And those are the places, so as we feel ourselves start to lose hold of some of that, that orderly, you know, neocortex uh, fueling parts of our lives, is shifting into that, oh, I'm actually ha- going to be closer to the earth, feeling kind of that uh, order in terms of chaos, you know, order that is more of a natural element and that is is like the chaos of nature and the wilderness. There's order in it, but it feels more chaotic. Mm-hmm. And so stretching into that place, getting out in nature, um, letting yourself, fi- finding ways to to become more spacious for that part that doesn't feel comfortable being outside of what is orderly. And then create small rituals that will give you a sense of something you can handle, even if it's simply making a cup of tea or coffee in the morning. It's like, how do you get just that one piece, lowering the standard from being able to do everything to, let me, let me just make this cup of tea and make this a ritual for my day where I keep going to in my mind is I've seen a fair amount of women choose to not go back to what one would consider pretty high power jobs and what a few Mm -hmm. of the moms described to me as they had such admiration they felt from their their the people they worked with I remember one woman is a lawyer and she really thrived on on that support and that and those conversations and using her brain in a certain way and and just the the feedback she got. And then when and she thought she would love being a, a stay-at-home mom. And she was really suffering from that. And she felt like that was one of the catapults into postpartum depression. Yeah. Do you see that? Or what can one yeah. do with that? Yes. I mean, I think that there's there's a number of factors that can impact postpartum depression. And, and one of them is, is definitely that feeling of, of not having a social, a social structure anymore. And for many, our social structure is our workplace. And so going from being able to have intelligent conversations about things that felt important, you're now engaging with your baby and doing, you know, oh, Oh, look at you, you made a poop, you know, and, and it just is like, what? Like, how did I, how did I make this move from, from talking about things that felt powerful and important to talking about bowel movements and right. I mean, <laughs> Smelling someone's butt. Yeah. To see if they yeah. pooped. 
it's like, and, and you're talking about it. I mean, like those are the conversations we have as brand new moms is with our nonverbal infant. And, and so one of the things that has been, been studied is the power of having community in, in that postpartum period. So finding places like what you do with, with your uh, groups and what I do with my groups where you can actually talk about things that are important to you. And one of the things that, that I think is important is to talk about this transformative piece is not like so many baby groups where you get together with other parents, with their infants, tend to talk about feeding, pooping, sleeping. Those mm-hmm. are sort of the key topics. And I think we need to broaden those conversations so that the the intellect and the emotional realm of new parents has a space to be heard and explored so that we can talk about, wow, what is it like to feel like you're supposed to know how to do all of this and you feel like you don't know anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah that you spoke earlier in our conversation about this this intuition piece, like you're supposed to just intuitively know how to do things. And yet we are in a culture where we are so disconnected from our intuition because we have a cell phone in our pocket 24-7 that has access to everything at the touch of a few buttons. And so we, we don't have to sit in that place of not knowing very often. You know, how, how often are we sitting at a dinner table and somebody says, God, I wonder. And instantly somebody else picks out their phone and says, oh, well, let me check. And yeah. they, they find out the answer. That's, that's disconnecting us from that place of being com- more comfortable in the not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, so expanding our ability to not know can be really helpful. And I would encourage people to practice that prenatally, to watch the impulse to grab your phone when you have the very first question, the the very first moment a question arises. And as professionals like you and me in this field, to not instantaneously answer any question that somebody asks. So would this be one of those ways that you think someone can start to prepare for that transition, just kind of sitting with the discomfort? Sitting, sitting with the, yeah, the discomfort of not being sure. Okay. What other ways do you think there might be? You know, not having an answer instantaneously where, where we actually pause to ask ourselves, huh, okay, what is it I need to know about this? whatever it is, mm-hmm. whether it's prenatally something about birth or postnatally something about sleep or parenting, what is it I need to know about this? And where would I most, where would getting this information feel the, the best to me? Mm-hmm. So that you're not just knee-jerk reaction to the phone, but actually pausing and saying, oh, well, actually, my friend Carrie might be the one I want to reach out to. She's, she's had a kid, and, and I like what, what I've seen her do with them. Maybe I'll reach out to her rather than Googling it. Because we all know that Google can be a bit of a, um, 
a black hole that we <laughs> head down into and not come out for some time because there's so much information. It's an inundation of information. And, and back to those, uh, to the parents who have been really effective in their job, sitting in that place of not being an expert in this new identity called parenthood is, is a practice. It's, it's a meditation, shall we say, mm-hmm. of expanding the ability to sit in the place of not being the expert. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to shift a little bit to another place where a person's identity can greatly shift in that mean to motherhood, and it's that with the partner. So from the partner seeing the woman as a woman to seeing the person as a mother, and then how their relationship shifts. I know there's times where, especially when my kids were real, I mean, not not that they're big now, they're only four and six, but when they were even smaller and all over my body, always hanging on me. And then my husband would kind of saddle up to me. I'm just like, oh, don't, don't touch me. Like, (laughs) not in a bad way. I'm just like, I just, you're you're touched out. I was touched out. Yeah. You become touched (laughs) out. Absolutely. So, and so there's a lot of multiple places like the way the partner sees her, the expectations of the woman, the way they relate to each other, that's a huge shift in itself. Can you speak to that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's like six hours we could talk about that. Just <laughs> on, That's just one topic, right? Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, one of, one of the elements is that, that physical contact where if you actually look at what's happening in the brain of, of a postpartum parent, postpartum mother, uh, and you see the, the, the circuits that light up with holding our infants are the same circuits of intimate love. And so some of our needs for that are actually being met by our child. And so it can actually feel like we don't need our partner in the same way for some of that, uh, love that that love sense and it it sort of seems strange that even romantic love circuits are going off when we're holding our baby you know we you can hear parents talk about feeling like they are in love with their child and and that's that is some of that but then there's also that the the downsides of of yeah feeling like oh my god my body like my body is feels sometimes like it belongs to the child more than not even, not even referring to the partner more than it feels like it belongs to us. Mm-hmm. And that transition of, of being feeling like your body belongs to a child, your baby, and then having a partner who also wants some of that, the step in between the, having the body connection with baby and the body connection with partner is finding it for oneself. Like we need to find return and practice giving some energy back to ourselves, to our, to our own body. And some of the things that I like to suggest about that is to actually, um, things like massage, you know, but not everybody can go out and purchase a massage and whether even have time for it, let alone financial resources to do it. But we have time to take a moment and put lotion on our feet. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. 
I'm out of the shower. Uh, you know, when we get a shower, <laughs> let's be serious, right? Because there can even be the challenge of getting a shower, but taking an extra second and touching our own body, returning to the fact that this body belongs to us, that it is not our child's, that it it has sensation and and nerve and endings that can give us pleasure. So whether it's gently putting lotion on our arms or our feet or taking a bath, one of the assignments that I give in my postnatal groups, one of the towards the end of our time together, is to set it up to take a bath. And the assignment, it sounds somewhat silly, but the assignment is to think about the bath ahead of time. Get a special soap or a special candle or specific music that you might want to hear and and take some time setting up the ritual of taking a bath. Get your partner or a parent or a caretaker to be with the baby and let them know that this 30 minutes or this hour is is for you to be with yourself. Then immerse yourself into the bath and take time feeling your body, feeling the sensations in your own being. Mm -hmm. So be that noticing the sense through your your sense of sense of smell Mm -hmm. notice with your eyes the light that flickers listen to the music that's playing and feel the water on your body for a lot of women this is actually hard to do it's it's almost scary take some time looking at your belly and your breasts you know notice how things have changed and and be with that be with those changes on the body and with um, the senses fully engaged. Because we can't actually go giving to somebody else until we feel ourselves begin to return to our own existence. Mm-hmm. So this little ritual assignment, I have lots of them, but that's, that's one that I love that parents come back after they've done this assignment and they're kind of blown away by how profound it was, how for some of them, the first time they did it, it was all just about getting naked with themselves and that that's all they could do was be naked with themselves in the bath. Mm-hmm. And the next time they do it, they're like, oh, okay, I could actually take a moment and touch my arms and look at my feet and, and be there. And it can take a couple of weeks, if not longer, to really look at their breasts and look at their belly, you know, and explore their body in this new way, in its new incarnation. Yeah, it's a massive change. Yeah, massive changes. But to to assume that we can go directly from being overtouched to giving to our partner without giving a space in between to return to ourselves, I think is too tall an order. Mm -hmm. I think we take that space in the middle and return and let ourselves connect with the person we are that isn't just mother. We can't go straight from mother to lover without mother to self to lover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I don't know if partners always do that, to be completely honest. Well, That's there's a lot of feedback of, I get. Yeah. yeah, but but there's also we we do need I mean, I like my husband and I, we've been married 20 years next month and together for almost 25. And that experience of new parenthood was definitely tricky for us. And navigating it involved, well, one of the things that we did is he turned, he became the person that really took care of making sure that we took time for our relationship. So he planned a date because I didn't have the bandwidth. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the bandwidth to say, oh, yeah, let me get the babysitter and let me do the, all the things that needed to happen. So he took that on. And I resisted. I resisted and said, no, but, uh, and I don't know. And, and he's like, look, I got this. My mom's going to come. She's going to take care of, of our baby. And we're just going to go around the corner. <laughs> you know, we're just going to go to the, the closest restaurant nearby. And then we would spend the first 15 minutes of that date if not longer, doing what? What do you think we did? Talking about the baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, we my husband and I, we kids. try to make when we go out, be like, okay, let's not always talk about the kids. How are you? Right. You the person. Yeah. Right. But that's also sometimes necessary, especially when there's a, somebody who is, is really the stay-at-home parent. That's part of their reality. And it's a huge part of, of what they're doing in the world. And so they need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. They need to have a space where what is taking up a giant part of their life vitality has a place where it can be talked about. So, yes, we talk about it as being, you know, talking about the baby. But some of it is also talking about how that experience is, in, is impacting us. We've lost that piece of being able to talk about our work as work, like employment. And now this other thing is happening that is parenthood. And we do need to have space where we can talk about some of that. And in letting some of that be shared, then we can move into a place where we can actually be in relationship better with our partner. Mm -hmm. Because we feel seen and heard. That's an important part of, of intimacy in postpartum. And and having that that shared experience of this is what my life is like is 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 intimacy building you know for women in particular foreplay starts often hours if not days ahead of time in mm -hmm. that warming up of feeling connected of feeling seen and heard and so have giving some of that space is needed yeah, I 100% agree. So as we start to wrap things up, do you have any last minute tips for someone either heading into this transition or in the middle of this transition? Yeah, um, practice, practice letting go. Practice sitting in that space of not knowing. Sitting in that, um, you know, when I, when I think about prenatal yoga and, and, you know, I know that that's part of what your, your audience is, is about and what you are, what you do, um, spend as much time 
focusing on the transitions into and out of poses as you do being out of the pose and being in the pose like those so that we are not so outcome focused like okay now I'm getting into the pose there now I'm there so we actually bring our awareness to the fact that the process of getting there desire it deserves attention and care because the postpartum period is a process and it isn't about arrival. It's about a moment by moment change and transition. That's beautiful. That was just perfect. And that's a great note to end on. Well, thank you so much for your time, for all of your wonderful information and wisdom. I think those facing this in this can can really benefit. You know, I love that just taking a time, taking your time, taking the pause, being in it and not rushing for it to be over. Yeah. Well, that's parenthood is is a profound spiritual practice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and messy, and, and all and, in a good way. <laughs> absolutely. Well, well, the best spiritual practices are often very messy. Yes. And you know, if you've if you've been a meditator, you know how how messy it can be. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Britta, for your time. Thank you. I've I've enjoyed talking with you and and listening to your podcast. Oh, so. thank you. Great. We'll we'll chat later. Take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.